0: Well, amen. Are we ready for the word this morning? Well, tonight, this morning, tonight. Amen. If you can return to your seat. Amen. I want to tell you, there are some good looking people in this church. I'm telling you. Yeah, that's, yeah mama said, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> mama said, thank you for that. You guys are some good looking people. He said he would beautify the meet with salvation, right? In Christ, we don't get old, we just get better. Don't we? Amen. Amen. Well, let us pray when we get in the word tonight. Father, we thank you. So far we have experienced your presence as as we have always have. We are so honored to know that that veil has been torn in two from top to bottom. And you have given us access to the very throne of grace where we can find mercy. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we would not have the opportunity to experience what we experience experiencing now. We say, thank you, Jesus. May the word we hear make us come alive. That we become more passionate and more bold about the things of God. May we leave refreshed, renewed in our hearts and our spirit. And God, I submit myself to you and everything that you want to say tonight for your people. We honor this office for this belongs to you and you will get the glory for everything that we do tonight. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before we begin tonight, I just want to ask you some questions and you know, how many of you, I want you to think back, think back. Think about that one or two people, it may have been more, but think about that person that has had the greatest impact on your life growing up as a child? (laughs) Hopefully good. Think about it. Think about it. Who would you say has had the greatest impact on your life? Not only as a child, but who would you also say has had the greatest impact on your life that literally caused you to come to Jesus Christ? Do I see some hands? Yes, who? Who? Your grandmother. Okay, tell me a little bit about her. Growing up, she always told all her grandchildren, Jesus you. Jesus you. Every, every time, every time. And it stuck with you. Is she still living? Well, oh, she can see where her grandbaby is now. Anyone else? Someone who's had a, an incredible impact on your life. Yes, Brother Mike. Who? All right, talk to us. Well, lost and, uh, if you could stand up and, and just use that preacher's voice you got. Well, I was lost, and I got met in 1970. I got married in 70. My neighbor came home, and uh, she was a Christian lady. She was praying for me. And, uh, I was like killed a couple of times. her husband, Dr. Billy. Yeah. Quite a bit. She to call three. But before she left, she fulfilled her mission. Yes. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Someone that had an incredible. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Thank God for good neighbors. You know, I don't mind my neighbor being nosy if they try to get in my business to get me to Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yeah, won't you stand? I never had Christ in my heart, and then when you came along, you ministered to me about Christ, and I received God. And I received God mainly because I saw the heart of God in you, and you were to me God walking on earth. Uh And I followed the God in your heart, and I trusted the God in your heart so much that I I got saved. And then after that, every single person in my family got saved. So thank God. Wow. well I married a good one <laughs> that girl if she tried to run out of me which I know she went I'll lasso I said where you think you're going <laughs> but you know the purpose the tonight's message is a wise heart a wise heart's impact on relationship you know when I look at the uh uh, uh Proverbs chapter 15 16 to 17 you know it's a lot of collectively a lot of things in there but the theme that runs through all of those is relationships. You and I was never meant to do life alone. We were never created to do life alone. You go to Genesis. Um, in Genesis, after God had had this incredible uh, conversation with Adam, he told Adam, say, Adam, I'm going to give you assignment. I want you to name every animal. And whatever you declare the animal to be, I'm going to declare it. So, I mean, can you imagine? God and, and, and Adam's sitting there and he just, he's, he's passing the animals by. Hippopotamus. Hippo. Giraffe. Giraffe. Alligator. Alligator. Rhinoceros. Rhinoceros. And after that, what was incredible, after he named all those animals, now I don't know how long it took, but however long, it wasn't like he was, he had to go anywhere. But what was interesting is after he had finished that, if you read the next set of verses, it says, And God saw that Adam was alone. And for the first time, something not good is declared out of the mouth of a good God. He says, It's not good for Adam to be alone. The word alone is actually a shortened word for two words all one it's not good for adam to be all one so the answer for the not good was our la- our wives i just thought the sister would have been going crazy kicking over chairs and everything you better tell him <laughs> Everything he created, he said, it's good, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. But he looked at Adam and went, you know what, this is not good. How many men can agree, boy, when you left to yourself, you can do some crazy things, right, brothers? Boy, thank God for moms and grandmothers and wives and all them, every woman in your life. Thank God, I thank God for my wife. And he said, it's not good. I think one of the most awesome uh ministry you and I have, is to be able to accept Jesus Christ as Lord, of, uh, as Lord, let Him completely change our heart, and then we get to do something extremely awesome. We get to go out in the community and live that out around people. Wow. We get, I tell my kids all the time, if you're going to do life, do life with Christ. Because if you do life without Christ, life will do you. And life know how to do you. So the one thing that we need to understand is that we were never, our walk with Christ, our experience with Christ was never meant to be locked up in a wall, to be locked up in a closet. I, often we hear people say, there are two things I keep personal to myself. That's politics and religion. I don't know what Bible he was reading about the second part. Because the Bible tells us to go. And go forth. It's not. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. So we were created to be in relationship. That word is koinonia. It means fellowship. And in this chapter, it deals with the folly of man, but it also talks about relationship. So this is what I want to focus on tonight. A wise heart's impact on relationship. Now let's look at it in uh, Proverbs chapter 17. You put it up good <clears throat> better a dry cross eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict a wise servant servant will rule over the master's disgraceful son and will share in the inheritance of the master's children fire tests the purity of silver and gold but the lord tests the heart wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip liars pay close attention to slander those who mock the poor insult their, ma- their maker. Those who rejoice in the misfortune of others will be punished. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the, pri- are the pride of their children. Eloquent words are not fitting for a fool, even less or lies fitting for a ruler. A bribe is like a lucky charm. Whoever gives one will prosper. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. <laughs> you just get the notion that they, this, this chapter just don't pretty much have anything to say about good about fools. Evil people are eager for, eager for rebellion, but they will be severely punished. It is safer to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than to confront a fool caught in foolishness. Wow. If you repay good with evil, evil will never leave your house. Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate, so stop before a dispute breaks out. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, both are detestable to the Lord. It is senseless to pay to pay to educate a fool since he has no heart for learning. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. It's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for a friend. Anyone who loves to quarrel loves sin. Anyone who trusts in high walls invites disaster. The crooked heart will not prosper. The lying tongue tumbles into trouble. It is painful to be the parent of a fool. There is no joy for the father of a rebel. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps the person's strength. The wicked take secret bribes to pervert the course of justice. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Foolish children bring grief to their father, and bitterness to the one who gave them birth. It is wrong to punish the godly for being good or to flog leaders for being honest. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Now, when I read this, I laughed at the last verse. (laughs) Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent, but with their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. (laughs) <laughs> you know the same. If you don't open up your mouth, they'll never know. They will never know. Wow, that's a mouthful. I think we're done with that, right? Okay, that's a mouthful. Tonight, I want to focus on four things. Um, that, and, and it all deals with relationship. Um, because we were created to be in relationship, all of us get an opportunity to live out what God has done right before not only our brothers and sisters eyes but before the eyes of those who would accuse us of being haters those who accuse us to be of being discriminative because if they truly knew what we stood for because we love everybody and it's important that we live out the true meaning of what Christ has done and before the eyes of the world so that they don't make accusation against our character and against the character of God amen amen well point number one It is God alone who can test our heart. It is God alone who can test our heart. Well, look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. It says this. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. That's in the New Living Translation. Let's look at it in the King James Version. It says this. The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord trieth the hearts. Now, many of us know that um, it is very difficult to understand true motives of people. All we can see is what their actions tell us. But see, you will never, we will never get past God because God zeroes in on the motive and the intentions of the heart. So when God judges, he judges rightly. Amen? Look at Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. Look at what it says. It says this, the human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Somebody say wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Then verse 10 says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine. Now watch what he does. He examines secret motives. Now they describe the motives here. What kind of motive does he examine? Secret motives. Now, what is interesting about those motives is that you and I, we can't see them. We can't see them, but God can. So what does he do? He examines secret motives. And he says, I give all people their due rewards according to what their action deserves. (laughs) Wow. You can fool some of the people some of the time. But you will never be able to fool God none of the time. Why? Because God looks at the intent of our heart and he judges based on what is true. He based, he governs and judges what is true. Look at Psalms 26 verse 2 and 3 in the New Living Translation. It says this, David cries out, he said, put me on trial. Now, listen to me. Most of us would never like to go to court to stand on trial. But David is saying, Lord, put me on trial. You know why he's saying that? Because when the verdict is given back to David, he know it is a true verdict. One thing about God, he is not worried about being politically correct. Nor is he swayed by the majority because God himself is a majority. David says, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives in my heart. Man, what an incredible prayer that we should pray. We are called to walk out our Christian faith before believers and non-believers. But in order to do so effectively, we've got to be willing to pray that prayer that David. Lord, I need you to cross-examine my motives. Because sometimes, as Christians, we do things for the wrong motive. We, Lord, we give you the right to cross-examine, to look at the motives of my heart. God, I always want to be right before you. And watch what he says. I want you to test the motives. Try the motives of my heart. For I am always aware of your unfailing love. Now, this is interesting because in verse 3 it says, For I am aware of your unfailing love. Because I am aware of your unfailing love, I put myself in your courtroom so Test me because your test and your trial and your examination of me is going to be out of your love for me. Which means he's not going to tell me something to just to tickle my ears. Whatever he says to me is to make me better. Amen. Whew. Okay, me back now. And I'm, I get excited about this. For I'm always aware, even when I'm standing on trial and you're looking at my heart, I'm aware that you're testing me based of your unfailing love. And I have lived according to your truth. How many people have confessed, oh, I'm a Christian? On Sunday. I share, I get an opportunity. I have the greatest job in the world. I really do. I have 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. I teach Bible all day day long and you would think man you you that's all day for the next nine months i get when i get home i'm so jacked up i I don't even have a dog if i had a dog i'll still be preaching it man you need to hear what god is saying how can a person have a job for nine months and just not just because i am aware the next generation needs to understand the truth about God because our country is not going to turn around based on any one political figure. It's going to turn around when we transfer the generation from one generation to the next, the truth of God's word. Yes. Yes. That's the method. He said, from one generation to another, they will declare my goodness and my truth. Wow. He said, examine me. Silver and gold are discovered and made better by what? Fire. Somebody say fire. He burns away impurities and base materials or metals to leave pure silver and gold fit for a jeweler. Only God, only the Lord can prove and purify the heart. In such a way, how does he do it? By the fiery furnace of afflictions and trials. Can I share something with you? The reason why God keeps us in the refiner's fire is because he wants us to come out as pure gold. So when they see us, guess who they see? Him. They see him. It has always been God's perfection. He said, God, why or oh why God are you allowing this to happen to me? Lord, I don't understand. Man, look like I gave my heart to the Lord and he says, everything going in reverse. The Bible said rejoice when these things happen. Why am I, re-? he don't say rejoice when they happen. They rejoice because when you go through it, you're going to be better than having not going through it at all. If you stay there because th- he knows just how high to turn the fire up so as to, 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 to perfect you and not to burn you for we got to be willing to stay there. He said, present your body as a living sacrifice. The only problem with a living sacrifice is they keep wanting to get off the altar when it doesn't feel good. See, it's like David. David gave us the secret to when we're going through something. God, I know that you, have, your love is unfailing. So I'm going to trust that what am I, whatever I'm going through right now, it, it is because of your unfailing love, I'm going to sustain this, and I'm going to get through it because you have not left me here. You have not put me here to leave me. But somehow, through your wisdom, through your power, through your knowledge, this is going to perfect me. I don't know how this hurts, but I'm going to stay right there because Is going to perfect me. Wow. And he takes trials and afflictions and perfect us. It is the Lord because he understands, you know, he wants us to be able to gather in a place like this and do a work. The prophet said, behold, I see a work being formed on a wheel. Is it like a potter to take a piece of clay that looks like nothing? And in the eyes of the potter, he sees something you don't see. You may see a piece of clay fit for nothing but to be thrown in the corner. But to the master potter, he sees a beautiful vase that will come to fruition when he gets through with it. And this is the way our lives have been. We have messed up. We're tore up from the floor. up, We have done everything possible to destroy everything around us. But when God sees us, he don't see us as a lumpy dough of clay. He sees us as a finished vessel fit for the master's use. Because that's why God don't get rocked and get crazy when you do the stuff that you do. He said, I got something for that. I've got something for that too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, the reason why I don't get crazy, God said, because I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> Amen. So we, we learned that it is God alone who can test our heart. Why? Because He he knows the intent of our heart. So here's the question. Why is God the only one that can test our heart? Anybody got an answer for that? Created you? He's the only one. He knows the motive. He knows the true essence of what's going on in our heart. Number two, a wise, tried heart, a heart that has been formed by God, a heart that has been tested by God, a heart that has been willingly allowed itself to be placed in the most arduous circumstance and environment and stayed there for the perfection of God. We're talking about that kind of heart. A heart that is tried, wise and tried, Keeps us from foolish living. Somebody say foolish living. Foolish living. Now, did you see how many times the word fool or foolish came up in this chapter? But it's interesting when you really look at the word fool or foolish, it has very little to do with a person's understanding or intelligence. Can I share with you what that is? Fool and foolish has everything to do with the moral condition of a person's heart. The moral condition. The fool has said in his heart, what? There is what? There is no God. And the reason why he declared it out of his mouth, because that guess where it's found at? It's in his heart. It's in his heart. So a wise, tried heart keeps us from foolish living. Well, there are several verses found in the 17th chapter. I'm going to take time and look at those five. five. Uh, let's look at verse 2. It says, a wise servant will rule over the master's disgraceful son and will share in the inheritance of the master's children. Now, we'll look at this for a minute. He says a wise servant. In here, you got two groups, two people. You got a wise servant. And what kind of son? A disgraceful son. So here's this business owner. He's got this son working for him. He's probably always late goofing off not being on time not doing what he's supposed to do but you got this guy with no connection to this guy who owned the business but he's always on time respecting authority doing what he's supposed to do and coming home going to work early leaving late and he says here it is this wise servant will rule over the master's disgraceful son and will share in the inheritance of the master's children wow so what is God telling us that he says when as believers, when we're in relationship with the ungodly, he says, I want you to give work as unto the Lord because promotions come from the Lord. So many people get upset. Well, I don't I, they didn't give me the job because I'm this or I'm that or or, or I'm this and that. You know what? Due diligence always is recognized. I mean, let me tell you something. When you look at the work standard today, if anybody shows up, first of all, drug free, <laughs> that's the first thing. And then halfway on time, you almost guaranteed yourself a job. But he retells us here when we talk about foolish living, he says, you know, a wise heart knows how to go on a job and not do foolish things. Look at verse 4. It says this. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. Now look at this. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. Guess what? The rebuke is not for the gossiper here. And the rebuke is not even for the slanderer. Guess who is rebuking here? The one who listens to it. See, a wise heart will hear that and be like, wait, wait, wait. Or will just turn around and leave. And Where are you going? I I can't be a part of this. Who do you think you are? Well, I'm new, but I just can't be a part of this. You see, in a culture that we're living in, you know, it is easy to spot a believer because of the standard that's been set by our culture. But by the same token, I want to encourage every believer in here, just because the standard is falling in the culture, don't let the standard of God fall with that. We we have to understand that God has a way and we must walk in that way. So we see that God rebukes the person who just listens to that. Verse five, let's go to the next one. It says this. We're talking about, again, we talk about foolish living. Those who mock the poor insult their maker. Those who rejoice at the misfortune of others will be punished. Wow. A wise heart never rejoices in the mishaps of other people, save or unsave. Can I tell you what the number one problem in our schools today is? Bullying. Bullying. Just recently, a young man—I can't remember what what state he was in—I was listening on on the WWL, and they had been bullying him. He was a seventh or eighth grader, maybe ninth grader, and he talked to the teachers, talked to his mom, this, that, and the other. And it got so bad, no one did anything. After that, after school that day, he went to his room, put a gun to his head, and pulled the trigger. When Nate was a junior in high school, we went and played in the playoff game at P- Upper Point Coupee Central. And we pull up at, in the parking lot, and the first thing we know, we were the first ones there, the first thing we noticed how high the football stadium was. That football stadium was, was high. We went, Man, who sits way up there and watch a football game? It was high. Insignificant. We just went there, we lost, and we came back home. That Monday night, when I watched the news, there was a young lady whose mother had died. They were living, this family was living in California. Her mother passed away. And she went to live with her aunt, her mom's sister, in Point, Upper Point Cabrera, that city there. And because she spoke very articulate, she didn't speak like the other girls around her. They began to bully her. They took it to the principal. Nothing was done. She told her aunt. And the aunt came to school. It was just one thing after that, long story short. That weekend, she, got, she drove to the stadium, found the rope, and she hung herself from that stadium. She hung herself from that stadium because she was bullied. Wow. Those who mock the poor and insult their maker, those who rejoice at the misfortune of others will be punished. Do you realize whatever we do to others, we've done unto God? You see, it is God who gives life its value. It is God it gives it intrinsic value. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain rights and liberties, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are unalienable rights, life. God gives life. So if God gave it, man shouldn't take it. Liberty, freedom. If God gives every man liberty, who are, who are we to enslave that person? And the pursuit of happiness. There are economic systems around the world that does not give a person the right to use their talent to pursue what makes them happy. Now we can talk about an economic system all we want in this country. I've been to Africa. This one I like. You can be born on the wrong side of the track or born on the track and still through hard work and effort you can still rise to the top. Provided you don't get caught up with the blame game. We give it to you straight. I still believe that hard work and effort still accounts for something. I still believe that. I watch those people on the streets. My wife can tell you. I watch those people on the streets of Kenya. Every single morning, they get up looking for a job. Some of them sell knockoff purses and glasses in the street. They hold up. Some of them are shucking corn and breaking peas. And, they, and yet, they, they live out that situation day after day after day. It doesn't matter how hard they work. They work extremely hard. But they will never rise above economically where they are in that city. Now, there have been Kenyans that have done great. As we see in the Olympics, they've done well. There have been a lot of doctors that are from Kenya that have come from there to here and are doing well. But I still believe and there are forces that is trying to change our capitalist society because they feel that it creates these social classes. I still believe that this system is a good system if you're willing to work hard. If you're willing to work hard. And in the education, it's free. And yet kids are still dropping out. Okay, I'm gonna leave my teacher part of me behind. Alright, next verse. Here's another one. Foolishly. If you repay good with evil, evil will never leave your house. If you repay good with evil, evil will never leave your house. God looks at that as foolish. You know what I find with our culture? Not only is our culture, they do evil, but they praise those who do it and encourage those to do more of it. And those who do righteous, they, they criticize it. They become very critical of it. But God says that's the foolish living. A, a, a heart that has been tried by God stays away from that type of living. Verse 13. Verse 25. Foolish children bring grief to their father and bitterness to the one who gave them birth. Foolish children. Children who refuse to live by a moral standard will bring grief to their father and bitterness to the one who gave them birth. Having been a coach for 30-something years and a teacher for 30-something years, I can't tell you how many mothers as a coach that have come to me, single moms, have come to me Coach, I need you to talk to to my son. He is acting a plumb fool in them streets. And I want so desperately to ask the question, where is his father? But I dare not go there. I dare not go there. And so now I find myself, it's not enough to just put a whistle on your neck and blow it and then run it down the floor. Now as a coach, I have to be a father figure. You have to be a taxi driver. Sometimes you have to be a banker. Sometimes you have to be a restaurant uh, to feed the multitude. You have to be all of that. And I'm not complaining. I love the responsibility that God has placed me in the lives of these young men because I've seen generations. I am a grand teacher before I'm a grandfather. My daughter's still trying to find her (laughs) Boaz. So a wise, tried heart keeps us from living foolishly. Or a wise heart that has been tested by God keeps us living moral. It keeps immorality from us. Wow. Number three. A wise, tried heart impacts how we communicate with each other. Okay, let me tighten up my belt. A heart that has been tested by fire and refined by the fire of God causes us to be careful the words that come from our mouth to each other as believers. I'm a church kid. I tell people all the time, I grew up as a drug baby. My mama drug me to church every Sunday. Now, please don't take this the wrong way. I have both as a church kid My life consisted of home, church and school, school, church and home and not and elder. But that's been my whole life. And I'm not complaining. I love it. But I have seen both the best and the worst of what church had to offer. Notice I didn't say what God had to offer. I say church. Or religion. Because there is a difference between our relationship and religion. See, religion is our attempt to try to get to God. I've seen the best and worst. And the one thing that I, I and, and you just got to excuse me for being so frank because it's the only way I know to be. There are many people that are, that are out in them streets that once had a born-again relationship with Jesus Christ, love him with their whole heart, but because they were hurt and deeply wounded by someone they trusted in the church, they said, I will never come back again. It is so important for us to understand that if God is doing a work in the lives of the people around you, we have to be mindful. God, guard my tongue. Guard my mouth. Because I don't want to stay, stand in the way of what you're doing in the life of that person. I know as a family, you know what family do? Family get on, their la- on each other's last nerve. Am I right about it? That's what family do, guys. We just might as well admit it. Now, look, anytime you sleep in a room with four other brothers... You will not dwell harmoniously every night. Some want the window up, some want the window down. Man, you snore too much. Man, your feet stink. I grew up. and It was crazy because brother Mike, it was a situation when there was 10 kids in the family. Mama had a house with three bedrooms all our lives. When the last kid moves out, she goes and buy a five bedroom house. I'm like, what the, what? What? Wait, wait. Mom, what you doing? Where was this five-bedroom when we was there? She said, I ain't never had no money to buy one. <laughs> and she said, fries don't die, they multiply. <laughs> Our job is, Lord, help me to edify. Our mouth must be tools of edification. The word edify means to build up. When people come in this church, I don't care what kind of day they've had, Monday through Saturday, by the time they walk in this church on Sunday, we ought to be jacking them up to where they just want to take a bed and put it right there because they don't want to leave this place. This place is amazing. They come to people who are excited about God, excited about Jesus, excited about life, and it says, man, I've never seen people like this. Well, you just don't understand. It was hard. You know what my mama tell me? Fake it till you make it. Fake it thing till you make that thing. The world tears people down. And the church should be the last place they're torn down even more. So what do we tell? God, because I'm in relationship with Bill, I'm in relationship with the Buffson. I'm in relationship with other people. Lord, refine my heart so that you can put a govern on my mouth. Anybody will say amen with me. Or "Owe me. What we do in here should never reflect or resemble the world. When people come to our service on Sunday, they should leave out the. They should come in here dragging, but leave out here floating. It's like, man, you got to see this place on 311. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm prejudiced. This is, this is a great church. Y'all are great people. I'm just sorry. That's just the way it is. You look. You need to come where I go on Sunday. That big old place with the green roof on 311 on, uh, on 311. Man, those people are just unbelievable. Man, they love God. They hug you. Guys be kissing on each other on the cheek. Right, Mike? (laughs) It is crazy. We have never seen. Can I let you in on a secret? When the first century church got underway, you know what they testified with the world said? We have never seen love like this before. We've never seen love. This is amazing. (laughs) This is amazing. And I think the body of Christ should look like the collective body of Christ that we are. Many sizes, many shapes, and many colors. Because we all reflect the glory of God. We all should reflect the glory of God. The one day that should never be the most segregated day on the, of the week, which is Sunday. Because they go to their church and they go to their church. No. You know, here's the thing. I understand, Bill. Let me tell you something. If we're going to be spending eternity down there, bro, I better get it right right here with you, man. You know, so here's the, here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever raised on collard greens, but you need to come to my house if you haven't. Come on, somebody. And you know, Paul got, you know what? Uh, Peter got rebuked by Paul because of that? Because he was at Cornelius' house? God showed him, what I call unclean, when I call clean, don't you call unclean. Now go to Cornelius' house and do that. And boy, when Paul went there and he was eating Cornelius' food, was like, man, these Gentiles can cook. And, boy, and all of a sudden, the Bible says several of uh, Peter's brethren, the brethren, and began to sharply rebuke him. How dare you eat with those people? And the rebuke was so sharp and so clear that Peter got up and walked away. A good man walked away when God says, no, man, I sent you to this house. And when Paul found out, well, we need some Pauls in the house. Paul said, Peter, come here, man. What are you doing? God called you to minister that family. Forget what they're saying about them. You be a, you step away from your brothers and do what God has called you to do. He's calling for us to step away from the those who try and say, no, you minister. You know, it's almost like I witness to you here. But I hang out with you when you get up there. <laughs> no, 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 no. A wise, tried heart impacts how we communicate with each other. Let's look at the verses very quickly. Look at the verses. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6, it says, Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the age. Parents are the the pride of their children. Wow. Grandchildren, parents, and children. What do you see there? Three generations. Grandchildren, grandchildren are the crowning glory of the age. The grandchildren. And you got the parents and you have the children. That only exists... Within a home that clearly understands honor and respect and love. Three generations. What does the world tell us? Grandparents? Euthanize Put them somewhere else. Put them at home. Can't do nothing with them. Marriage? Just live together. Children? Burden. Gotta do my career. God says, no. He says, this grandchildren are a crowning glory of the age. Parents are the are the pride of their children. Verse 14, look what it says. Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. We're talking about communication here. Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate, so stop before a dispute breaks out. Do you realize that there is a crack in a dam? It's not going to stay a crack? Because the pounding of the waves is going to open that crack up. And pretty soon, there will no longer be a trickle. It will be a gusher. And then all of a sudden, what's on the other side will be flooded. He's telling us, you know, here's the thing. As a person of wisdom and our hearts have been changed, he says, you stop it before it even begins. Because if you don't, it's going to get worse. And it's going to be something that's going to be hot and heavy and we won't be able to handle. Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop it before the dispute breaks out. Somebody's got to be godly enough and have a heart enough for God and says, you know what, God, the Holy Spirit says, okay, even if you've got to take the low road, take it for the sake of winning your brother and keeping your brother for Christ. But we cannot walk in the flesh. You know what? I don't think so. I need to let you know what's on my mind. So I'm going to give you not the whole thing, but just give you a piece of it and then you feel really bad about what happened, then the Holy Spirit starts to convict you. Because a heart that has been truly changed will will first of all give credence and and, and attention to what it's about to come out and the consequences of the words of your action, the words of your mouth. Wow. Next. Next verse. A truly wise person uses few words. (laughs) Read that with me. Everybody ready? Read. Continue. Now stop right there. A truly wise person uses few words. You ever know those people that they come into the conversation and they stand there and they, every other word, they gotta jump in, they gotta jump in, they gotta dominate the conversation. Sometimes I do that. I, I, you know, I just, I just, I do. I, man. And so sometimes God said, Fred hey, you need to study the what? Be quiet. But I got so much flowing. He said, hold your flow. (laughs) Let somebody else flow. (laughs) A truly wise person uses few words because now the words that they do use, people take it to heart because, man, that was good. That was good. With understanding and a person of understanding is even tempered. 28, even fools are thought... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent with their mouth shut they seem intelligent Rorah what you think you're not saying anything And then they walk away, it's like, wow, did you hear what he said? It was amazing. He gave us the answer to what we were looking for. And you can walk in with like, whoa. Just remember, if you don't open your mouth, you'll never know. <laughs> Amen. So a wise, tried heart. Impacts how we communicate with each other. When God's got our heart, He also has our mouth. Let's look at Proverbs 12:25. Do, what does what that say? It says, "Worries, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word does what? Oh man! Did you want y'all read that with me? Ready? Read." Have you ever been this, you know, ever had this experience? You come in church, boy, you jacked up. I'm ready to worship. Man, I'm ready. And you're like, brother, how are you doing? Man, you just don't know. Oh, my God, my ankle, my knees, my back, my heart, my pinky. Gloom, despair, excessive misery. If it wasn't for bad luck, I have no luck at all. And you, 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 you trying to stay godly. And they just took a straw in your spirit. So here's what you have to do. You grab a, and my wife do this, she did this, you grab it. oh bless God, hallelujah, God touch him, Lord bless him, you're gonna have a great day, God's gonna minister to you, oh bless God. hey, 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 good to see you. Because, I mean, you do, you, you, you want to do the I feel, I felt, I found, I feel the same way, I found out this, you know, so I understand. It. But man, when you, could, and they just, <smokes> uh-huh. and that's why for me, man, you, you know what? I, when it, when I give my life to Christ, I'm not singing the blues. No. You know what? Because when you're at the, dun don't do no no no, my cat died. Don't do no no and I don't know why. Dun, dun, <laughs> dun, raban, nun, don't do no no no, my last name is Fry. Has Jesus done anything for you today? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That wasn't in here. (laughs) Where did that come from? So an encouraging word cheers a person up. Wow, incredible. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. We're talking about the communication. Watch this. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you, we encourage you, we jack you up, we pump you up. You need to love them what? You need to love them what? Even more. Make it your goal. Do what? What? Make it your goal to do what? Live a quiet life. Minding your own business. And working with your hands. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Just as we are instructed you before. Then, he says, if you do all of that, what is the end result? In verse 12. Ready? Read. You know why you lead a peaceable life? You know why you encourage each other? You know why you, you lead a quiet life and why you work by your hands and get bread? Because we want to influence the ungodly. Then the people who are not believers will respect the way you live. I had a, I saw a t-shirt one day. I was at uh, Lifeway and I was sort of taken back by the shirt a little bit because I was like, whoa. On the front it said, God, we love you. On the back said, but it is your people we're struggling with. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not wearing that one. I'm not wearing that one. I get what they were saying. I get what they were saying. So what is he said? Live a peaceable life. Encourage each other the more. Communicate well. So that when we, when the world sees us how we treat each other, they're like, man, I want to be a part of that. Those people are just amazing. Number four and finally. A wise, tried heart impacts how we treat each other. Not only how we communicate, but how we treat and respond to one another. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9. It says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Wow. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Look at verse 17. A friend is always what? And a brother is what? One version said a a brother is born in a time of adversity, for adversity. In other words, there are certain things that's going to happen in your life, but sometimes it's only going to happen to you when God has allowed that person to be a part and connected with you and then all of a sudden you're going to really see what really tests your friendship what really tests what you have out of people is when you are in adverse times that's when you know what you really have what makes a relationship a husband and wife is when I'm in the worst battle of my life my wife is in the foxhole with me helping me to survive What makes our relationship strong is when my wife is going through her battles, I'm there to battle with her, not to battle against her. And too many young relationships don't understand that. What makes a marriage so successful is the, this, the person, the other person's willingness to stay in a foxhole with you when it doesn't look good. When it don't look like you're going to survive, say, you know what, baby? It don't look good, but mama not going anywhere. You know what, baby? It don't look good, but daddy has committed himself to you, so I'm going to stay right here until God get us both out of it. This is what not with the world. The world says, well, you know what? If you ain't feeling her, you need to move on. What's feeling got to do with it? I am committed all the way to the end with this thing. You know, I, I, I don't have a motorcycle, but for those of you know what I mean, you know, here you are on the motorcycle and you got your wife on the back. And all of a sudden you're coming into a curve. And so as you hit the curve, what makes that curve successful is when you lean, she leans with you. See, when life threw a curve at you, your girl got to lean with you. And when you come out of the curve, you straighten up and you give it the gas. See, that curve represents life throwing stuff at you. At both of y'all. And so now when, when she see you lean and she lean with you, she hold on. She said, just hang on, baby. I'm with you. And then when you come out the curve and she was up, she's like, hey, that was interesting. And when the curve come again, where you lean? I'm going, going right. I'm going right with you. That's when you know you have a quality person in your life. That person was born for adverse times. David understood that with Jonathan. The Bible said that Jonathan and David, their souls were knitted together. They were closer than a husband and a wife. Here, Saul was trying to kill David and Jonathan, his son, was lying for David because they were so knitted together. And you see, later on in the relationship, when everybody had been killed except for one boy, Mephibosheth, who was crippling both legs, David said, go out through the countryside and see if I can find, is there anybody left in the house of Saul I can show favor to because of Jonathan. And showing sure up, they went to Lodabar and found um, uh, uh, Mephibosheth. And all of a sudden, Mephibosheth was hiding because he thought that they were going to kill him once they found him. And all of a sudden, when David, he came into the presence of the king, he was crippling both legs he was supposed to be heir to the throne had his head down David said because of my kinship with Jonathan I'm going to show you favor go get your family come out of Lodabar this is for you that is amazing A brother is born for adverse times that is amazing that is awesome there are four things a good friend is good for Four things a friend helps you for. Now, he don't have that, but number one, a good friend shares in your success. They don't play a hate on you when you get your promotion. They answer, man, that's awesome. That's great. A good friend is someone who helps you when you fall. They don't step on you or step over you. A good friend, number three, provides a word of encouragement. Man, I know you're going through it. I've been through it. I see it on your face, but you know what? We're going to get through this thing together. I am determined. I'm going to call you on the phone. You're going to get through this. And finally, a good friend helps you oppose the enemies of your life. They're willing to intercede on behalf of you. If one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand to flight. Look at James five twenty. James five twenty. It says this You can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death. And bring about the forgiveness of many sins. When a brother has gone wayward, do you have enough love for them to bring them back? And finally, Proverbs 18:24 says this. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Wow, it's amazing. So let's take the heart what God has showed us tonight. Lord, refine my heart. As you stand, we're going to dismiss. Let us pray. Lord, I, I ask tonight that you will continue refining our heart so that, Lord, we, w- the world will see how we love each other and the glory will go to you and they will be amazed at the love that we have and they want to come to you. Lord, let our love be a re- for each other be a reflection of your love for us. And tonight, God, we thank you for the word. May the word come alive in our hearts. And not only let us be hearers of your word, but God, we will be doers of your word because of the blessing. We ask that you give us traveling grace until we come again in your house. May you be our front and rear guard and give divine protection. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.